0: to Women Worth Knowing, the radio program and podcast hosted by Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. There are so
1: many Christian women with fascinating stories, whether missionaries, musicians, reformers, authors, or wives and mothers, their examples are inspirational to us all.
2: And that's so true, Robin. This is Cheryl Broderson, and we're in studio, and we've got a first. Yes, we do. We've got a first on yes, women worth knowing. And the first is we actually have a man in studio. Now, our producer, Johnny's a man, and we work with men. But this is the first time in studio because we concentrate on the stories of women. But I'm just going to give a little background. Um, Brian had this professor that he absolutely loved when he was um, studying at Wheaton And his name was, you know, Dr. John Dixon. And Brian's like, this guy is so fascinating. And then Brian started listening to this podcast called Undeceptions. And he kind of, you know, got me to listen to a few. And he just loved John Dixon. And John's specialty is early church history. And so when I was in Oxford with Brian, lucky me, Um, I met John Dixon and I said, oh, we've done some, you know, on Perpetua, Fabiola. I started mentioning these women and he goes, oh, but have you met? And have you? And I'm like, no. It was like (laughs) mate. It was. It was like, if you're ever in California, and I think I can arrange that, will you please be on my podcast that I do with Robin Jones Gunn? And he said he would. So I'm really excited. I want to say this real quick from the back cover of his book, bullies and saints which is excellent john okay. is an author of over 20 books two of which became television documentaries he also co-hosted the documentary for the love of god how the church is better and worse than you ever imagined john teaches a course on the historical jesus at the university of sydney australia that's probably in the past right Mm-hmm. and uh researches the origins of christianity in the roman empire um he's right now at wheaton college uh and what are you doing at Wheaton right now?
3: I almost don't want to open my mouth. Oh no, the you're first so good. Mail well, we want to say here, welcome. Yeah, we were just yes. thrilled that you could worthy. be here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's a weird accent as well. Oh, I so, forgot uh,
2: that. Right from Australia. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Right.
3: So yeah, I, I'm now at Wheaton College, and uh, and we're loving it. We've been in this great country for eight months, mm-hmm. uh, but I must mm-hmm. say, coming over to the west coast as we did last night, we love being near the ocean.
2: You know, it feels th- like home. This is not usual weather mm-hmm. for uh, California either. We've had like just so many clouds. You know, usually we have, well, maybe have three cloudy days followed by like three days of brilliant sun with fluffy clouds. But this is unusual. We've had a but real the beach cold is spell. Still the beach. The,
1: the beach, beach is, is the still beach. the beach. That's mm-hmm. true. Just
3: looking out at it, And we went down there again this morning, really early, uh, for sunrise. And I know it's just good for the soul.
1: I hear you, Johnny.
2: We lived in Maui for ten years, and so it just calls to you. Come mm-hmm. back. It does. Mm-hmm. And even the sound of the crashing waves. Yes. Yep. It's so therapeutic. All right. So I want to talk to you about some of the um, women that have just been discovered because this was something you were sharing with me and I was absolutely fascinated.
3: Well, I mean, the problem with history mm-hmm. is that it's hit and miss. It is. So what has survived and what ha- hasn't is, you know, it's it's flotsam and jetsam. Um And there's no doubt that most history is written by men, uh, particularly ancient history, Mm. and it's mostly about men. That's right, yeah. So, you know, you thank your lucky stars, not that we thank our stars, but uh, whenever there's anything that mentions a woman, it gives us a little... So so all of the evidence we have is tantalising and, you know, lets the imagination run wild. But unfortunately, it's not like we have... A whole sermon from a woman in antiquity, right. or or a biography, know, or a right? real biography. Mm-hmm. We, you know, sometimes we get passing two or three paragraphs. Mm. And perhaps my favourite um, is is a woman called Nuni that hardly anyone's ever heard of. She gets two or three paragraphs in two separate sources. Wow. Um, but if we go sort of right back to the early second century, so r- around one twelve, um, th- you know, this is just a generation after the apostles, there's this other intriguing reference, and we don't know the names of these women, but Pliny the Younger is the governor of Bithynia and Pontus, to which Peter had written his letter, 1 Peter, um, about 40 years earlier. And we have a letter from Pliny to the emperor Trajan uh, outlining what he's doing to get rid of Christians. And Pliny, it's a gorgeous letter because Pliny doesn't know why he's inherited a policy of killing Christians. He's quite confused, but he's doing it because he's good Roman uh, and they are obstinate. <laughs> and he says, I can't make them uh, offer worship to your statue, O Emperor. You know, so obviously they deserve death. So he's been doing it. But he then says to the emperor, there are so many of them that I'm worried I'm going to kill too many people. So I'm writing to you for advice. But what he says in the letter that is so intriguing is... I've tried to get to the bottom of Christianity. So I arrested two slave women whom they called deaconesses. Mm. And I tortured them Mm. to extract the truth about Christianity. And all I found was a degenerate cult carried to extravagant lengths where they wake up before dawn on a determined day and sing a hymn antiphonally. He literally says, and definitely in turn, mm. a hymn to Christ as God. Wow. And then he talks about his policy of you know mm-hmm. what he's going to do and so on, and how he's really confident he's going to be able to nip Christianity in the bud mm-hmm. and, we're, and we'll be rid of it soon enough, which is so funny, considering yes. what ended up happening. we know what happened. Right, right. But my point is, we don't know these gorgeous, I want to say gorgeous mm. women. That's right. Who were arrested? I, I find myself thinking, why did the Roman governor think, ah, oh, to get the bottom of Christianity, you've got to get these two women? Mm. Why isn't there a reference to some priest that he arrested, a Christian mm-hmm. priest? You mm-hmm. know, uh, why is it two slave women? And he actually gives their title. Mm. He calls them deaconesses. He has no idea what that means, but he's just heard that that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. So they're obviously some kind of leader, and they're leaders who were slaves. In that one line, you have the topsy-turvy nature of earliest Christianity, where a slave can be a leader of a community and where there are women who are the repository of information wow. about the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, again, what more can we say? Almost nothing. Right. But someone should write a book. <laughs> Looking at you, Robin. Someone should write a book, a novel about these two slave women. Let's give them names. Let's bring them to life and tell their story.
1: I'm even thinking of Tessa. Uh, yes, Afshar. Yeah. Tessa Afshar, beautiful biblical um, novelist. Um, that's what's so amazing there too is that the women were considered what a threat. So that's why he went to them, or was it because they seemed to, as you said, have all the inside scoop? The he, women. It he was clearly to the women. they
3: were officials of the church. Wow, he did. And, and regardless and, of
1: their stature in society, yes, in the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. as you said, upside down mm-hmm. kingdom there.
3: And and it can't have been um, simply because they were low status. They were slaves, so I can torture them. Because he makes clear in the letter, he has been executing Christians of every every rank. Mm up to this point that he writes the letter so he is not afraid to brutalize highborn people who say they're christians and won't worship the emperor's statue uh, but you know these two slave women maybe they were really um prominent in the cities maybe people blamed them for leading people mm. to christ maybe they were like the ringleaders because i mean that was a very roman thing to do to round up ringleaders destroy the ringleaders And you can destroy the movement, Mm -hmm. um, which doesn't quite happen with Christianity, but he didn't know that. Um, So maybe they were really vocal. Maybe they were having an influence across Mm. Pontus and Bithynia. Mm. Um, And the fact that they're slave women doesn't necessarily mean that they were uneducated or anything like that, because, of course, in antiquity, um, slaves could be the most learned person in a household. Right. The slave could be actually the tutor who taught everyone Greek and Latin grammar. And all the philosophers, but it was the slave whose job it was to teach the household, right? So um, they're not necessarily, uh, you know, I don't Being know, illiterate, what or- I, yeah, illiterate. <laughs> I, I was going to use an Australianism that okay. would make no sense here, but so they're not necessarily <laughs> like the dummies, yes. Um, uh, but but uh, obviously, as slaves, they they're not they're not high born, um, and yet they represent they represented Christianity to this Roman governor. Around the year 112.
2: And I think you mentioned when we were talking to some women from, is it Sephoris? It was in Sepphoris? Sepphoris. okay. See, you the, know how to say it. I just <laughs> read it and, like, I'll just try. Yeah.
3: I mean, Sephiroth was the capital, but are you referring to the inscriptions that have been found? Yes. Okay. So that's outside of Megiddo. Okay. Which is not far mm. from right. Um Yeah, I mean, this was an extraordinary find um, uh, in 2007. They were uh, doing some repair works in a maximum security jail in Megiddo in Israel, and they found a mosaic underneath the courtyard of the prison. And whenever you find something ancient, you have to call the Israel Antiquities Authority in to do the inspection and make sure it's done correctly. They ended up um, uncovering um, a a really large villa, in fact, a couple of villas next to each other, that could be dated to around the year 200, plus or minus, minus. Uh, 20 years and in this particular room just it was a fluke that the room that they first uncovered was a room uh maybe uh 15 yards by you use yards don't you in meters not meters yes
2: right yards
3: yards Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) yes yeah 15 yards by about 35 yards that's how big the main room was and on the floor Mm -hmm. they found inscriptions that identified this room as a church, and it's the earliest church yet found.
1: Oh, that's remarkable.
3: Right in the middle of Israel.
1: What a what a delight it would be to be the ones that stumbled upon that. I yes. know, and just and realized where you. I were, where got to go
3: and visit it soon oh, you after it was discovered. Oh. Oh. So I got to go inside the maximum security jail. Oh my! With with a film crew and film a scene, and we were actually allowed to stand all over the mosaics. Oh my! And and I kept on saying to the chief archaeologist Yotam Tapper, um, "Are you sure I'm allowed to stand here?" He was like, "Yeah, fine, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's lasted two thousand years. <laughs> what are you going to do to it?" <laughs> okay. And on, the, on it's a beautiful room. So imagine a, a sort of old, sort of Roman villa-style room. with The dimensions I explained, and there are there are um, mosaic uh, patterns and inscriptions, and one of them is a couple of fish which is a bit of a giveaway, Mm -hmm. who used the fish. Mm -hmm. One of them in the far corner uh, says, I, Guyanus, bloke's name, uh, boy's name. Mm -hmm. You don't say bloke. We
2: can do bloke. Okay. We have people from England who listen to this. This is
3: good. (laughs) Okay. So Aussies and British say blokes. Uh, Guyanus is bloke. Um, uh, A centurion and brother Mm. paid for this part of the pavement. And then at the end is, I, Brutus, laid the payment. Oh, So two blokes Mm -hmm. mentioned there. So here is a um, clear piece of evidence of a centurion who was a Christian Mm. around the year 200. Mm. That's remarkable because we have other literary evidence that says Christians weren't allowed to be in the army. Mm. So this is counter evidence and historians have to sort of puzzle through what that meant.
2: Absolutely.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay, but the coolest thing on the other side of this room, is the remains of a table, quite a large table, Mm. which was almost certainly the table they ate, what we would call communion. But in in Mm. that period, it was closer to a meal Mm -hmm. than little cups that that we might pass around today.
2: Yes. Like a love feast. Is that what it's called, I think, in Corinthians Mm -hmm. often? Yes.
3: So it's a stone table, the remains Mm. of a stone table. Mm. And next to it, is a beautiful inscription. I, I should dial it up to show you. But I can give you photos if you want to put this on your website. Love um and and it's an inscription next to the table that says Akeptus, which is a girl's name. Akeptus, the lover of God, mm. oh, love dedicates this table in honor of our God Jesus Christ.
2: Wow. Ugh. Wow, powerful!
3: Wow, oh, written in Greek, obviously, mm-hmm. but an amazing reference to Jesus as God
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> from wow. around the year 200. Yes, wow!
3: And the words "Our God, Jesus Christ" are overlined. Mm. In antiquity, you didn't underline something that was important; you overlined it. So, in manuscripts, you, we often see overlining—someone drawing a line—and in the mosaic inscription, they've actually overlined it. So this woman was the one who dedicated the table. Mm. So what does that mean? We know nothing about a Keptus other than here she is on the floor of the earliest church. Mm. And just on the other side of the table is a a simple mosaic that that literally says, remember Cresta,
1: Mm.
3: Dorothea, and two other names. All four are women. So in the earliest church yet found, we have two men named on the floor and five women. Wow. What? Why are we remembering these four women? Who was a Keptus mm-hmm. and, why, and the lover of God, which is really interesting, like a, a, a description of her as like a very pious woman. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But why were we, Why does the church have to have a mosaic saying, make sure you remember Dorothea and Cresta and so on? Yotam Tepper, the archaeologist, suspects that they were martyrs.
2: That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm.
3: And wow. we are to remember them because this is, this is where we find ourselves in the Roman Empire, able to be martyred. But why are they all women? Why aren't there any mm. boys mm-hmm. named? Mm-hmm. Artists, mm. So again, it builds up this picture that actually fits with the evidence from Pliny the Younger from a century earlier. Why are the women being picked on as the representatives of Christianity?
1: They were the threat. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. They
1: were the ones. You think how accessible it was for them to be able to spread the word within their mm-hmm. communities and mm. going about their daily lives. And so as those Women were coming to Christ and taking that back into their households. Like mm. that's the spread. It
2: reminds me a little underground. Bit that's what the, they were of the Chinese Bible women. Yes, yes. That you know that Hudson Taylor, you know, really put this emphasis on um, teaching the Bible women because they were the ones who could get into the houses mm. and and teach the Bible, and also because women can often go under the radar where men exactly. are, you know. Paul yeah. was obvious. <clears throat> yeah. Peter's obvious. But women are less obvious. But this is fascinating.
3: Yeah. And someone should write a book about every one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: I do. <know. laughs> I love just even their names and just like, okay, yeah.
3: let's explore
2: these names. I, I love the lover, the of, lover love. of God. Yes, yeah.
1: Because it's so clever. This is what, 200 AD, mm-hmm. you're saying? Mm-hmm. So you think where when Jesus said, okay, here it is, most important, love God and mm-hmm. love your neighbor. So mm-hmm. to be identifying yourself as, well, I love God. Yeah. That's, I am a lover of God. Yeah,
3: it's not, you know, a Keptus daughter of Demetrius. Exactly. Which Life would be a normal inscription. Yes, yeah. yes,
2: any of that. One. And this being her only defining feature, the only thing we know about her, mm. well, we know two things. She gave the church a table, mm. and she loved the Lord. Mm. You know, that, what, um, what a legacy. Mm-hmm. Though. And to find it so many... You know, thousands of years later. Yeah. And to see this legacy that was
3: left. They're now planning to move the prison mm. because actually they've uncovered really? a whole ancient town.
1: Wow. That they didn't so know much about. there to wow. get into. And so
3: they're going to move this maximum security jail and open it up to the public uh, pretty soon, I think in 2024.
1: Oh, that'd be and fantastic. Are you going back for another documentary? Uh, There'll be more to be Been film. there, done
3: that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: More, I can more, assure more. you,
3: you won't be able to stand on the mosaics anymore. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> true. <laughs> they'll, they'll so build, true. Little uh, paths over it.
2: Now, I want to know about Noonie, yeah. because I that was to. the other one. <laughs> Go back to Yes. <laughs>
3: oh, Noonie. My goodness. <laughs> well, she's mentioned in two sources, two separate sources, um, which amps up for the historian, amps up the credibility of it. Mm. You know, if it's some random, well, a one source. You know, you don't know what to do with it. But two sources that roughly say the same thing, that aren't connected with each other, uh, means this is good evidence. Nuni was another slave woman. Um, And we think she's from Armenia. Mm. Um, Which um, listeners might not know that uh, Armenia was the first Christian nation on earth. They are the first nation as a nation to declare themselves believers. I didn't know that. Around the year 300. Yeah. Really? Yeah, so it predates... You know the conversion of Constantine, but I mean, Constantine, when he became a Christian, um, he he didn't um, declare the empire Christian. That he, he wasn't interested in making the empire Christian, but Armenia as a as a nation did. Anyway, so we think Nuni comes from Armenia, but she travelled to a place called Lazikia, which um, is next to the Black Sea. It's now Georgia, the, okay. the, the mm-hmm. country of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And these two sources basically say, Nuni sort of appears out of nowhere, a slave woman. She's probably in the imperial household of Georgia. And she starts to evangelize the queen. Wow. And the queen is really interested. And then it says, and so she began to also instruct the king. Oh, my
2: goodness. In the
3: Christian faith. Oh, my goodness. And then it says, in as much as it is proper for a woman to do so, <laughs>
2: oh
1: my goodness! So even
3: the source is like, this is weird. I, I, yeah. I don't Are know we what allowed a to do this? Doing. Yes. Anyway.
1: Explain it, but yes. Wow.
3: But, but she leads the king and queen to faith in Jesus Christ, and then they let her rip in Georgia. Wow. And she goes out and she's l- literally preaching to people, and people get converted. And that little country decides that it wants to be a Christian. Mm. And when enough people are, are Christians, this is happening over maybe the course of a year. That's um, so quick. She goes to the city gates mm-hmm. where there's a giant like totem statue to their god. And she commands it to be hacked down. Oh, my goodness. And they do. <laughs> they bring the whole thing down. Wow. So I think, you go, girl. I mean, she's not only a preacher. She's like, get rid of that. Emblem to Satan. If you want to follow Jesus, get rid of that. So they hack it down. And this whole uh, nation decides to follow Christ as a result of this one woman's preaching. And both sources are very coy about it. Mm -hmm. And in fact, one of them ends by saying that she ended up leaving. She went east to find new places where she could be, I almost dare to say, I'm actually quoting the source here, I almost dare to say an apostle. For Jesus Christ.
2: Oh my goodness.
3: And then it ends with um, um, that the bishops who heard mm-hmm. about what happened sent priests to establish the work that Nuni had begun. My. And that's goodness. the end of the source.
1: Wow. It's crazy. Nuni. Wow. Nuni. And what were you saying that earlier? And this
3: is 320s. Well,
1: 320s. And what name is derived from Nuni? Nina.
3: Nina. Like our name, okay. Nina. Yeah. Yep. So there's
1: different pronunciations yep. you're saying
3: or? Yes, saying yeah, about. there are dif- different ways of saying. It. Uh, uh so um anyone from Georgia listening uh will know, you know, she's like the patron saint of the country. Oh,
2: okay. Um we have a Bible college. <clears throat> Calvary Chapel has a Bible college in Georgia.
3: Whoa. So I And you don't mean Atlanta, Georgia? No,
2: I don't mean Atlanta, <laughs> Georgia. I mean Georgia. And um I was thinking I wonder if they know this rich history of um
3: they must because no, 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 no. she is described mm-hmm. um, as, you know, like the patron saint mm-hmm. of the country. Um, but I think uh, there are sort of a lot of later stories about her that sort of conflate oh. and exaggerate. But but the, the things I'm telling you are, are things in those two very early sources that somewhat embarrassed reveal that she acted like an apostle.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. That's, well, you know, I, I think of Deborah in the Bible, too. I mean, you've got all these male judges, but you do have this exception mm. and Deborah and how greatly she was used because of her godliness, which um, I just I love. So he started giving me these hints when we were in England. I'm like, wait a second. I've never, ever heard this story. So we're going to have to, you know, I, we're going to leave today just on a cliffhanger because when we come back next week, I want to know some of the women that um, you've discovered besides if there are any new discoveries um, going on and the ones that um, – whose stories are have most impressed you and why. And then maybe a little bit about what we can learn from these stories. I mean I think we can already learn from um, Nina or Noonie. Don't hold back. Mm. You know. Tell the gospel to whoever God brings in mm-hmm. your path. And we can learn from um, those women, um, be known as a lover of God. Yes. And know that, you know, the martyrs remember them, these women who are willing to give their lives uh, for Jesus. I mean, just in that and these two slave women, you know, never think you're too little yeah. or too unimportant to serve Jesus and to know um, the full gospel, the full story. You know, I— I I taught Bible college, and I had these girls go, well, what can I do with this? It's like you can do everything with the gospel. (laughs) This is Mm -hmm. your life. You want to grow in it and know it. So, John, thank you, and until next week. Pleasure. Okay. Looking forward to it.
0: Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. For more information on Robin, visit RobinGunn.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. Join us each week for a lively conversation as we explore the lives of well-known and not so well-known historical and contemporary Christian women. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at w. WK at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. Women Worth Knowing is a production of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.